1: Hey there, Scary Parish! Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black mat. Norlanda is here with me. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button. Like you, Brandon Davies, you have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, please go ahead and knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. I want to start today with UCLA which improved to 15-2 and two late Thursday with a 68-49 win over Utah. Now, in and of itself, that's not really notable. Utah hasn't been the same since left the program for a second time. But it is worth noting that UCLA is now 6-0 and in the Pac-12 after being picked to win the Pac-12, making the Bruins the only power conference team that's living up to expectations after being picked in the preseason to win its league. We noted this earlier in the week. Baylor was picked to win the Big 12, but it's just one and three in the Big 12. Indiana was picked to win the Big 10, but it's just one and four in the Big 10. Creighton picked to win the Big East, just three and three in the Big East. Kentucky picked to win the SEC. Woo! One and three in the SEC. Fans want the coach fired. North Carolina was picked to win the ACC, just three and three in the ACC. A lot of disappointing teams out there but not UCLA. The Bruins were picked to win the Pac-12 and are now 15-2 and overall, 6-0 and in the Pac-12, alone atop the league standings and on a 12-game winning streak, which is the third longest in the country and tops among power conference schools. Dead lag, I couldn't help but notice, you got UCLA second in your weekly power rankings. Tell folks why you're so high on Mick Cronin's Bruins, besides the obvious reason, Mick is the coach.
0: As we start. We always start with with Cronin being the coach there. UCLA has also won 12 in a row. It's the third longest streak in the country. Hasn't lost since November 20th. So power rankings, uh, I, I do tend to reward significant winning streaks, and UCLA hasn't lost. It's not going to get dropped. And as a function of some other teams losing since, it's just continued to rise and rise. So, yeah. But it's not just my power rankings. If you really look across the board here, UCLA is number three in Ken Palm three at Sagarin three in BPI it's seven in the net right now it's a little it's you know it's between like you know six and ten overall in in traditional uh or at least results-based metrics it's also third at Torvik so why the hell not let's start with let's start with the Bruins here real quick off the top just to at least at least highlight them they've got a They've got a nondescript game at home this Saturday. Uh, It's the Fox primetime game, eight o'clock, I think, against Colorado. It won't be news if they win. And we'll talk about the Bruins again next weekend because they actually play at Arizona next Saturday. So that arguably could be the game of the weekend there. But at least shine a light on the fact that the Bruins have been able to, I think Cronin has been able to elevate the program here to top 10 levels since making the surprise run to the final four, when he did so going from first four to final four, he got there in 1920. There was no tournament. Then UCLA was pacing to being a tournament team was really a bubble team overall. Then, Squeaks in, makes the final four. There was the UNC-like buzz before there was UNC buzz about they made the final four. Should they be a top five team? I remember selling that notion, but buying UCLA being you know top ten level-ish. They wound up finishing eleventh at Ken Palm last season and making the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, lo and behold, losing back. I am back. All right, you got me back. My I don't I don't know what to tell you. Man. I dropped out there. I don't know when you lost me, but I am back. If, can you hear me, GP? I can hear you now. I was just sitting here posing. Okay, I'll continue what I was saying. I'll just I'll just stroll through this real quick. Yeah, Wi-Fi completely dropped there, but we are we are back. What do you want from me? Uh Cronin has been able to take last year, good year. I actually don't think they even I I don't think that UCLA failed to completely meet expectations. I actually thought the expectation should have been them to be a top 10 team. And now it's been a top five team, only losses, both respectable, Illinois and Baylor. No, Illinois and Baylor aren't necessarily top 15 teams, but those are on neutral courts and they were competitive games there. And now, yeah, UCLA to me is not just second in my power rankings, but if I had to even remove that and build out a tournament resume. Like they're clearly a two seed at worst. And I, there's a strong case that they're a top five team in the country. They rate top five in defensive efficiency. And even like a Dean, Bo- like Amari Bailey, you can go off on all that. If you want jokes, all aside, a Bona has been the freshman that has really come on strong as of late. And his play, I mean, he had 15 against Utah, 18, 18- 18, against washington recently a recent pac-12 freshman of the week he has been quality on top of the fact that haquez is a top 10 player top 15 player in the country tiger campbell i wouldn't take five point guards over him personally jalen clark is a wonderful two-way player so when i talked to cronin about this when i saw him at the cbs sports classic when they had no issues with kentucky and i think i mentioned this on the pod he just mentioned the fact that it's the fact that haquez campbell and clark they're 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 like Practically best of friends off the floor, and then the locker room itself. He just he says, "I have no issues." David Singleton's been there forever, so they because they haven't had a lot of high profile games, they've been a little bit off the radar. But uh, but wake up, America! Best coach in UCLA history has this team rolling and potentially headed toward a one seed in a couple of months. The problem
1: when you drop is that I don't know if it's you or if it's me because I'm still having internet problems. C Spire. Is gonna be at my house today at two o'clock to try to resolve my issues.
0: I'm gonna have so- to call Spectrum. So I got Spectrum now. We got we got issues here. It's yeah. So when
1: you dropped, I thought it might've been me as I I just sort of sitting here looking pretty and stuff. I just sort of sat here just like this. (laughs) I was just sitting here like this for 30 seconds or whatever. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Um, Listen, UCLA is obviously good. Does it bother you at all? Not bother you. That's not the right word, but they are 0-2 against top 25 Kimpom teams. They lost to Illinois Baylor. They have lost to the two best teams they played. They don't currently have a win over a team ranked in my top 25 and one a team ranked in the AP poll coaches poll or the top 35 of the net
0: doesn't bother me only because uh, the predictive data suggests that they're still good enough to validate being top 5 status and they they don't here's the other thing they've played some good teams they've won three road games four road games at this point and they don't turn the ball over top 5 and not turning it over turnover rate in the country and top 12 in forcing turnovers so they're actually good at both ends they play both ends of the floor well will they need to prove it a bit more Yes, should we absolutely expect at the on the Arizona swing next week they'll go two and zero? I don't know if we should expect that they got to play at ASU and at Arizona. Arizona State's actually a pretty solid team this season as well, and then they've got to play at USC the week after there. So I think UCLA is going to take at least one loss here. But I do believe that this UCLA team is tracking closer to what a lot of people thought UCLA might've been last season, even though I will reiterate and I might've dropped when I said this. So people might might not have even said it, but also I'll say it again. UCLA finished last season 11th at Ken Palm, Uh, coincidentally enough, or ironically enough losing to UNC in the sweet 16. So a top five team in the eyes of some last season, They fell short of that, but wound up being 11th, making a sweet 16 run with a four seed. Overall, I thought they actually pretty much met expectations. But this group is more of what I think some people thought UCLA from a year ago would be.
1: And they're doing it uh, at least most of this winning streak or a good portion of this winning streak without Amari Bailey, the five-star freshman. He's been sidelined with a foot injury since December 21st. So... You know, he wasn't having some top five freshman of the year type of season when healthy, but he's a meaningful player. So when they get him back, should be stronger. Like you mentioned, Colorado this weekend, then the Arizona schools on the road next weekend. The Arizona game is the weekend game, I believe. And for what it's worth, Ken Palm currently projects UCLA to be favored in every remaining game, including at the McHale Center.
0: You buying that? Uh No. The betting line—it'll depend on results here. Sure, uh, the betting line will not reflect that. I would—I would imagine. I'm guessing. I'm guessing that's a one-point UCLA projected win right now. That's my guess. Yeah, it's 77, 76. Betting line will have Arizona favored unless Arizona—Arizona Arizona plays at Oregon Saturday, home to USC. Like, if Arizona were to drop its next two, which is unlikely, but if it were in that situation, if UCLA hasn't lost, I could see UCLA being favored. But I would—I would think that the—the uh, the actual betting line when we get to it will have Arizona favored.
1: I agree with you. Ken Palm for again for whatever it's worth currently projects UCLA to go 17 and 3 in the Pac-12 and win the league by three games. And if that were to happen, then say in the court, say in the court, Nell can stay. That's right. It's not Nell didn't Nell didn't lose that game in the Astrodome. It's not her fault. Say in the court, Nell can stay. UCLA looks great. Um it, it'll You know, and I say they don't have wins over top twenty-five this and top thirty-five that. They don't have many opportunities. I mean, like the the the, the, like Arizona, and you say they are the two really good teams in the Pac-12. And then who else do you trust in that league besides those two? Uh,
0: No one at the moment. There's no one that you can actually trust in that league. Doesn't mean Pac-12 only get two teams. Pac-12 will send more than two to the tournament. Of course, trustworthiness. It's just UCLA and Arizona, and I say that with Arizona having that super, super, super weird home loss to Washington State last weekend. Yeah, nobody
1: else in the Pac-12 is in the top 45 at Kempom. UCLA is three right now, like you mentioned. Arizona is 10. Nobody else in the top 45. Let's move on. In the preseason, Arkansas looked like a possible Final Four team, and Alabama... Look like on paper, a borderline top 25 team. Those labels, I think, have now been completely reversed. We're going to talk non-Kentucky SEC next, but first, a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. So in the preseason, Arkansas, on paper, looked like a Final Four team. Alabama, on paper, borderline top 20, 25 team. Like I said, those labels have been reversed. Alabama just went to Bud Walton midweek and beat the Razorbacks by 15 points. Now, it was close. Alabama just went on a it was like a two point game with five minutes to go and Alabama closed on a ridiculous run but still it's a fact won the game by 15 points so Crimson Tide are now 14 and two overall 4-0 in the SEC tied with Tennessee atop the league standings meantime Arkansas is now 12 and four overall one and three in the SEC just one and three in its past four games let's start with Alabama then we'll get to Arkansas does Mm -hmm. Nate Oates have the best team in the SEC
0: yeah that's good uh I mean if all right let me v- hit you're picking between Alabama and Tennessee probably. I know if, if they play tomorrow neutral on a, on a neutral middle of South Dakota our classic setup, who are you taking I'm taking Alabama. I, th- I think I would take Alabama, and if you're listening now and you're like, well, when do these teams play? They only are scheduled to play once this season. Tennessee gets that home game. It is a middle-of-the-week Wednesday game in the middle of February. We've got some time before we get there. If you made me pick, I would take Alabama narrowly in a neutral court situation, um, in part because Alabama has, I think, narrowly proved it over tougher tougher competition to this point. Alabama has five quad one wins. The only other teams in the country with at least five are Zona, Kansas, Miami all have five. Purdue has six. Alabama's only two losses, obviously both of them being respectable at PK 85. They got rolled. They got rolled. I watched it against UConn and then they got beat in Birmingham uh, with a scorching hot second half performance out of Gonzaga, 190, but everything else has been aces to this point. And the defense is actually performing slightly better than the offense. I remember noting this, I think earlier this season on the pod, uh, cause I certainly picked up on it when I saw them play in person out in Portland, uh, Alabama's, uh, the trick that eight NATO is able to pull off is that this team will play. It will play you fast and it will still be able to, to maintain, uh, a certain level of competency with its shot selection, its shooting, its efficiency overall. That's not an easy thing to do. It's what makes them pl- playing them so tough. And also, Alabama has at this point. the We've talked about how Zach Eadie is the clear frontrunner for National Player of the Year. It's an argument. Well, Brandon Miller is the clear at this point. Kyle Filipowski just had a really good game for Duke, and, and we'll mention them in the weekend preview, but Brandon Miller is absolutely the National Freshman of the Year frontrunner to this point and only reinforcing that he should be considered a top-five pick, obviously, when the draft comes around. It's not just him. Mark Sears has actually gotten better as the season's gone along. Noah Clowney has shown some real flashes. I thought Charles Bayaka, who had- has been good, shooting 63% from, uh, from inside the three-point line. He's just a traditional big, a traditional seven-footer. I actually thought he'd be even a little better than he's been so far. I think that Bama has more room to grow, but yeah. And what was a... I noted this also in my power rankings. The game was just not a fun watch. I actually thought the officials didn't live up to the moment. Uh, inconsistent whistle, some bad calls, some missed calls there. Bama deserved to win. They want it going away, but I actually thought that was that was on that Wednesday night when we uh, we previewed that on the Wednesday show. There, I was watching seven games simultaneously, and the way I was doing it is I have... Usually, if I've got all multi-game setup, I, I go two games with volume. One kind of has the dominant volume. One is the second. And Everything else has got to be silent, and if I switch, I switch. And Bama-Arkansas had the dominant volume for a little bit, but eventually it just it became such an unappetizing watch that I just I reduced it to uh, to uh, to the mute and, and focused on some other games there. But good win on good win on Bama, and it's staring down potentially. Another four consecutive wins, not automatics, but home to LSU at Vandy at Mizzou. We'll see. Mizzou is fading a little bit, but it is a road contest next weekend against Mizzou and then home against Mississippi State before they've got the uh, Big 12 SEC game at the end of the month there. But Bama, I I think right now, I haven't actually broken this down, GP. If I wouldn't put Bama on the one line right now, they'd probably be my top two seed.
1: I would have them on the one line right now. I've got them fourth in the top 25 and one behind Houston uh, Purdue and Kansas. So those would be my one seeds right now. Houston, Purdue, Kansas, and Alabama. And like I wrote in Thursday mornings, top 25 and one, um, they, they check every box, not just for a Final Four team, but to win the national championship. Like, what does it start with? Typically, great coach. Well, they got that. Nato's a great basketball coach. Um, they're really good offensively. 16th in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Even better defensively. ninth in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, they've got an identity. They're going to play fast somewhere between 45 and 50% of their field goal attempts. are going to come from beyond the arc. Um, they're going to guard you. They've got experienced and talented guards. And then what's the last thing you typically need? NBA an NBA, like a lottery pick type guy. And they've got that in, uh, in Brandon Miller, who whether he goes third, fifth, eighth, wherever he's going to be making a lot of money playing basketball next season in the NBA and, and for a lot of seasons after that. So if I had to pick the best team in the sec right now, I think I would go with Alabama and I'm not suggesting there's a big gap between Alabama and Tennessee, but there are just these moments and every college basketball team is flawed in moments. I got it, but hell every NBA team is flawed in moments, uh, but Tennessee has these moments where they have, they really, they can struggle to score. And i I don't think Alabama is as susceptible to running into that as Tennessee might be. I just think Alabama's probably not as good defensively as Tennessee. Certainly the numbers show that, but they're good enough. And offensively they are they are better than Tennessee. And that's why I would lean slightly uh, in that direction, but I'd be willing to to reconsider at a at a later date. As for Arkansas, Ah, uh, the hogs are twelve and four. That sounds fine, I guess. but they have lost three of their past four, the past two by double digits. And as I also wrote in Thursday's top twenty five and one, I do think we've reached the place where it's fair to wonder just how good are they? because they're not operating with the roster that people looked at and then ranked them preseason top ten. Uh, they do not have Nick Smith Jr. who's dealing with a lingering knee injury issue. Let's call it an issue. And they do not have Trayvon Brazil who tore his ACL and is out for the season. That's two of the top four scores on the team. Mm -hmm. It is their best incoming recruit slash best NBA prospect. And their second, what appears to be their second best transfer. And I don't care if we're talking about Eric Musselman, who is terrific or most coaches in the country. Now, the, the one exception to this is last season Kelvin Sampson. But most coaches in the country lose two of their top four, and you've got real problems in a league like the SEC. Now, Kelvin lost two of his top four, and it was fine. Partly, I guess, because they played the AAC, but you know, they also marched that thing all the way to, to the Elite Eight. You know, that was why I believe at CBS Sports, we named Kelvin Sampson the national coach of the year. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't rule anything out because I'm a big believer in in mus, but Ask any coach. You lose your best NBA prospect to your top four. You know what does that do to the to your perceived ceiling? And they'll tell you it it it's almost always going to lower it.
0: I would agree. Couple um, quickies on Arkansas. Uh, they'll win more games. I believe. I actually. I'm not predicting this, but put me down for. Put me down for. 15% chance this thing actually goes way sideways and they go from like 11 and 1 to not making the tournament. The reason why I say this is if you look at the resume to this point, the best win is against Oklahoma on a neutral and then San Diego State on a neutral. Those are two really good ones that are going to carry it. I think they're going, but they're so unreliable on offense. They're going to have to win ugly. So losing three of the past four uh, LSU, Auburn, Bama, and now. Three-point shooting is not everything, but it is obviously so significant uh, in modern college basketball at all levels. Arkansas, I talked to Muss about this like nine days ago. I, I, I wrote about Nick Smith for the court report, and then I kind of talked about Arkansas' team overall with Muss. Nick Smith Jr. and Trevon Brazil were their two most reliable three-point shooters. And Muss even told me, he's like, we are adjusting and... We had a whole plan for how we wanted to run our offense, and we don't have the two guys we wanted to run it through. So it's a major adjustment. Arkansas ranks 347 out of 363. 347th out of 363 games in three-point accuracy. It also doesn't take a lot. 350th in three-point attempt rate the best three-point shooter, I, I really like Anthony Black's game. Um, I actually really hope he will have the potential to be drafted this year. I think he could pop and be a top 15 player in the country next season if he opts to come back. He's their best three-point shooter right now. He's making 30.4% of his threes and he doesn't take a lot. He takes like two and a half per game. So, you know, so it, there's there's a lot to be desired on that end of the floor. Now, the defense is good enough. Must is a good coach. I think they'll get it done, but It would not stun me if they really stumble because they've still got to play at Missouri. they got to go at Baylor. Kentucky's a mess, but they do have to play at Rupp. Got to play at Bama. Got to play at Tennessee. It's not going to be easy, and I did have Arkansas preseason top 10. I thought Arkansas had a healthy shot at being the second-best team. I had Kentucky. I mean, I was Samsonite. I could not have been more way off on both of these teams. I think they'll ultimately be okay, but... I think Hogs fans might be having this concern. Now, we'll see if Nick Smith Jr. returns. If he returns, and the hope is there that he will be able to, that could help alleviate some things. They are going to certainly need him. He has a knee issue, it's been plaguing him. And I, I, I can't remember if I mentioned it on the pod, but I wrote about it last week's court report. I won't belabor the point, but I did, t- I spoke with three different NBA people, one of them an NBA GM, they all believe because that he is represented by Clutch Sports and at the NBA level or at the college level traditionally, Clutch Sports tends to protect its clients uh, to a level that is, frankly, uh, can be immensely frustrating to people at the NBA level. And so there is a lot of actual skepticism over whether or not Nick Smith Jr. will ever play again for Arkansas. I think he will play. And I've been told that he is eager to play, but they are simply not going to put him out there if he's not 100 percent. And I don't feel as though he could hurt the knee again and maybe damage his stock because he could not play again and would have a I think he has a lock to be a top eight. If he doesn't play again, he could still conceivably go in the top five. So they are trying to strike a balance there. No one really knows. It is an ongoing plot point, but they, they will probably need him to come back if they want to be a factor in the SEC and really have a chance in the NCAA tournament.
1: Needless to say, and I'll be quick on this, um, if he's hurt, he should not play. If he's not 100%, he should not play. And this goes for anybody. If you don't want to play college basketball because you're a projected top 10 pick and you just want to sit it out, wait for the draft, it's fine with me. I understand it. I don't like when you commit to play in college basketball and you're on a team and the coaches are counting on you and then you just decide, Hey, I'm a top 10 pick. I'm not going to do this anymore. I don't like that. Like again, if you want to skip college, fine with me. If you're actually hurt, of course don't play if you're not a hundred percent. And so there is a risk element in playing don't play You, you, you millions of dollars are at stake. But if, if he is medically cleared to play, and they say, listen, there's nothing wrong here. It, it, it's up to him if he wants to play. But there's no there's no reason physically that he can't play. I would prefer him to play. I remember a few years ago when Zion got hurt midseason, and there were people saying, Hey, you're the number one pick in the draft, shut it down. And he said, Absolutely not. Like I'm a I'm on this team. I committed to be on this team. I want to play college basketball. I know I'm risking something, but I was risking something before I got hurt, and everybody's risking something to some degree, probably me more than most, more than any. But I I, I told these people I was going to be there with them, and I'm going to see it through. Uh, James Wiseman was obviously the other end of the spectrum on that. Uh, like I said, I'm not somebody who says, if you don't play in college, you're making a mistake. If you decide I'm skipping college, because I'm already a top 10 pick and I'm just going to train That is totally fine with me. I don't care. Like college basketball survived without LeBron James, without Amari Stoudemire, without Kobe Bryant, without Kevin Garnett, college basketball would be fine. But I think when you commit to a team and the coaches have game planned, everything around you, if you are able to come back and play, then you should come back and play. And I, I if he reaches that point where the doctors, trainers, everybody agrees he is one hundred percent ready to go if he wants to go. I would, I would prefer him try to give it to try to give it a go. Where are you at on that?
0: I would lean with you, and I think it is going to be an interesting balance that gets struck. Moss um, has talked about it on the record, and he kind of repeated with me. He, he is all in on doing as much as he possibly can to make sure Nick Smith Jr. gets drafted as high as humanly possible. He wants and hopes, and I think in his heart of hearts, I think Musk thinks that he's going to return, but it's just unknown at this point. And I think the thing that that reinforces this is that uh, he, Nick Smith Jr. first hurt the knee, his knee, when they did, went on their foreign trip over the summer, um, and then I had uh, an NBA person tell me he just he reaggravated it at some point in the past few weeks, or right before Christmas, and so the fact that it it happened again, I think, with the same knee is why they're just being extra cautious there. But to the to your general point, I agree with you, and it's the next. He's just the latest, you know, lottery top ten level pick that we have seen get to college, play a few games, and he could wind up missing most of the season. It's a bummer, but we have actually seen this over the years with a number of players. I mentioned that also recently on a pod.
1: All right, let's get to the final four and one. Nada, you want to update us on these records? How far am I ahead right now?
0: Sir, you are currently one game behind. <sighs> you due to the
1: uh, belief in the Horn Frogs and you uh, how would I put this nicely uh, derailing another fan base with Oof. your um, like you yeah, <laughs> You're you're a game behind, but however, however, okay. let's focus on the on the positive here. You are above five hundred, probably the latest that you've ever been. It's possible. Certainly feels that way. Certainly feels that way. It's just a bad week to be a horn frog. Bad week to be a horn frog. And by the way, mm. I don't know. I don't know if you've seen Friday's top twenty-five and one yet. But guess who I got back in there at number twenty-six? My align eye. Oh, okay. I. Jeez. Choo choo They're going to find you at some point. Don't <laughs> my, do this, GP. They're going Illini. to find you. My Illini back in there, I had to get Ohio State out of there. Couldn't deal with them anymore. <laughs> Not after last night. Couldn't deal with them anymore. So I had to, I had to replace them. And so you replace them with Illinois. I've got this all figured out. I mapped it out. You replace them with Illinois at 26. Tonight, you get Illinois and Michigan State. And if Illinois loses, just put Michigan State in. Easy. I've already mapped out my weekend. Bro. Game one. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Number 18, Wisconsin at Indiana. Inside Tom Crean Hall. Tom Crean won two outright Big Ten titles in a four-year span and got fired one year later. Reap what you sow. Reap what you sow. You can watch it on CBS. Kim pom has got it. Indiana.
0: -5 Uh we picked this for the site too. I <laughs> trying to I'm trying to stay consistent here. I think what did I pick on this one? Um you said IU -5, right? That's what Ken Palm says. Yeah, again, reminder, if you're listening to this, if you get to this late Friday, early Saturday, the lines are not available at this hour for the Saturday game, so we go off the Kempom projection. They're, nor- they're normally often within a point, usually no more than two points with rare exception there. Um, I think I took Wisconsin to cover and Indiana. No, Indiana minus five. Yeah, I took Wisconsin to cover and Indiana to win. I'll stick with that. I'll take the Badgers. Not. I'm taking the Badgers to cover the five. I will take IU... With a narrow win, gracious does that fan base need it? Ten and six right now, and uh, does not have an NCAA tournament resume. Indiana is the Big Ten's Kentucky. Yes, and won't Kentucky fans love to hear that?
1: Kentucky and Indiana fans, you guys should. If you can get the internet back, you guys should get together like a in a Twitter Spaces or something. Isn't that a thing? Twitter Spaces. I think so. Yeah, Kentucky fans and Indiana fans should do a Twitter Spaces. They can talk about how things were supposed to go so differently this season. Indiana needs this bad. Are they going to drop to 1-5 in the Big Ten if they don't win this game? 1-5 in the Big Ten after being the Big Ten favorite? I'm taking Indiana. I'm laying points. I'm going with my Hoosiers. Game 2. Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Number 11, Kansas State at number 17, TCU inside Kirby Smart Arena.
0: Kirby Smart, after what he did. I know. I got you. That's cold, though. It's tough.
1: Kirby Smart gets – that was part of winning the national championship game in such overwhelming fashion. They have now changed the name of TCU's basketball arena. They've named it after the Georgia football coach, Kirby Smart Arena. You can watch this one on ESPN2. Kim Palm has it, TCU minus two.
0: Someone might need to fact check this, but I want to say TCU's men's basketball team is now 0-2. It's football team 0-1 since Parrish debuted as hornfrogged impersonation. Again, he cannot stop destroying fan bases. It's just what he does. It's his thing. I will... Uh, I have to take... Give me, give me TCU. Cover, win, K-State 15-1 on the road here. Uh, it's got a tough one too coming up TCU and then uh, and then it'll host Kansas will uh, will the Wildcats there I will go TCU Kansas you're, State a, you're a horn you're a horn frog I am not um yeah I'll go I'll go I'll go TCU and then give me uh Mike Miles has been outstanding this season Mike Miles is coming off of okay his past has passed six games 18 21 23 33 18 16 give me tcu with the win and a good game for mr miles i'll set mike miles at 24 points in this one for the winning horn frogs i can't pick against jerome tang
1: he's a scott drew disciple he's a scott drew disciple kansas state's the best story in college basketball pick to finish last in the big 12 now tied for first in the big 12 15-1, 15-1, nine-game winning streak. Got road wins over Texas and Baylor. If You can win at Texas, you can win at Baylor. You can win at TCU, can't you? Theoretically. I think Kansas State goes inside Kirby Smart Arena and extends its winning streak. Stays atop the Big 12 standings. Game three, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Number 14, Iowa State at number two, Kansas. Inside Bill Self Fieldhouse. He deserves that. You can watch it on ESPN+. Kim Palm's got it Kansas.
0: Minus eight, boy. They putting them Jayhawks on ESPN Plus a little uh, bit. My man, GP just gave you the heads up. Everyone listening, if the when we get time for this, remind the people of the time this game is tipping off.
1: Uh, Saturday, four p.m. Eastern. It is yeah. uh, the 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 t- is two of the three first place teams in the Big Twelve, and they're gonna be streaming, baby, streaming, streaming, remind streaming on so, Saturday. Yeah,
0: when it gets to four Eastern, and you're flipping through, you the, if you're if you're still a cable household, you're gonna have to bring up the streamer. ESPN Plus, if you don't have it, you're going to have to pony up and get it done. Uh, this is the third game in the Final Four and One. As a reminder, you have to go opposite me. I will take Kansas at home to win and to cover. It is a fair... Given the way Iowa State plays and how well Iowa State has been, eight's actually... That's a, that's a little bit bloated there, but... I will I will go I will go K U. It's it's top it's thirteenth in both offensive and defensive efficiency right now at Ken Palm. Iowa State rates better defensively unquestionably. It will try and slow this game down and try and make it so that it's it, you know, it maybe gets Kansas caught in a uh in a fifty nine, fifty six game with with two minutes to go. Maybe it's successful on that part. Um, but the one thing that I think Iowa State... I know Iowa State's going to key in on this, but it could have some trouble. It's the best team at, at turning over teams in the country. No one turns teams over at a, at a greater rate in college basketball than Iowa State. But the problem is, Dewan Harris is as sure-headed and steady as almost any point in America. And he is, he is so reliable that... He just might be the fly in that ointment there. I think he'll have a good game. I think Jalen Wilson will play well. Give me Kevin McCullough to be the stud in this one. I will take Kansas to win and cover that eight.
1: I think Kansas is due for a blowout at home. You know, they got pushed by Oklahoma State, got pushed by Oklahoma. I think they're due for a blowout at home, but. I got to go opposite you. It's out of your hands. It's out of my hands. So if people say, "Hey, GP, I saw on CBSSports.com you laid the points with Kansas, and now you're on the <laughs> and now you're on the podcast taking Iowa State plus eight. What gives? You're playing sides? No, this is out of my hands. I the send in my I send in my picks to Marcus Nelson on a Thursday night, and then Leg comes on the podcast on Friday morning, and and he picks Kansas, which means I got to go with Iowa State. It's in my fault. Game four Sunday. Noon Eastern. It's number twenty-five Marquette at number twelve Xavier inside the Pete Gillen Center. You can watch it on Fox. Kim has it Xavier minus two.
0: Game of the weekend here. Xavier still hasn't lost in Big East play. Marquette coming off a win at home on Wednesday. Now fourteen and four beat UConn, looking damn good. Oh, what a tasty, tasty one this is. And reminder: if you're if you're if you're listening, but you're not really listening, this is not a Saturday game. This is your Sunday. Noon Eastern game, easy end to the Sunday slate of, uh, of NFL playoff games as well. Sean Miller has restored in, in no time Xavier back to the level, if not above, where it was uh, before Travis Steele got there. And Travis Steele, you know, he, he did a okay job, but he just didn't do a good enough job to, to, to keep the gig. And it's just it is what it is. But Miller has oh, that's why
1: Travis the- Steele got to take stray bullets on the podcast. I'm just
0: saying, it, it is a fact that under Travis Steele, Xavier did not have an NCAA tournament level team for four years. That was the longest drought that program had seen since the early 1980s. Sean Miller comes in. We look up 6 0, tied atop the Big East with Providence, a 14 3 overall record there. And Xavier fans, uh, they're on cloud nine right now. Tremendous offensive team gets the benefit of having this game right there on the home floor at Sintas. Iowa. Will- I I will take Xavier in this spot, but we should have, we should have a game here. And by that, I mean this thing, if they really let him play, if they really start going, this thing gets decided in the nineties. I would love to see something like that. Also, both teams, because they can score, because they can really move it. There is the potential that maybe this gets away from, from one of the teams and we wind up having a double digit spread, but I will lean against that. Give me Xavier to win and to cover, but I'm thinking give me uh, give me X like 90 to 83, but it's a competitive 90 to 83, and in doing so Xavier continues to ascend and uh, and make me look good, because I picked that team to win the Big East, my man. Look at you. Yeah, look at right. you. I think I... With some I think hesit- you had him seventh. There's no
1: way I did that. I wouldn't have done that. That didn't sound like something I would have done, but I, I know I didn't. I know I didn't pick Xavier to win the league. Would you... Right now, you're still picking Xavier to stay. Of course you are. If they're 6-0. and <laughs> You know what? I'm bailing. <laughs> I'm bailing now. Hey, you guys are even better than I thought you would be, but I got to go now. No, right. Um Yeah, I mean, Xavier's on a 10-game winning streak. Marquette's on a five-game winning streak. Both of these teams are playing at a really high level. They're not just teams that are ranked right now or, uh, uh, you know, got – good records right now they're, they're like playing their best basketball or at least some version of their best basketball right now so i'm with you this is going to be terrific on sunday needless to say we'll be focused on bill's dolphins because that's on cbs it's america's most watched network it's the network of stars but we'll, we'll try to keep an eye on marquette xavier as well yeah i just i said this the other night when we were in studio we had connecticut and marquette on our air cbs sports network and i said i think connecticut is better than marquette but i don't think they'll win at marquette tonight i'll take the home team and that's i'd say some sim i don't know that i think marquette's better than xavier but i do think they're comparable teams and when you got comparable teams i'm gonna take the home team i'll lay two points with xavier i'll take the musketeers inside the pete gillen center
0: All right. Game five. Put out a poll on the podcast Twitter account. Four options. Audience picked the game with 29.7% of the vote. Here it is. Game five. Saturday, 2 Eastern, ESPN Plus. North Texas. Okay. One loss. Florida Atlantic. It was a narrow, narrow, narrow vote. I'll reveal if you voted. You know the you know the games involved, but if you didn't check it, I'll I'll reveal at the uh, at the back end as we preview the rest of the weekend. Just what else? Uh, what else? I was considering there. But how about this? CUSA special. Florida Atlantic is fifteen and one. North Texas preseason favorite is fourteen and three. Ken Palm's got the line. Florida Atlantic minus five. Before we pick the game, I will note this is going to be on Greg Gantt court. All Greg right. Gantt, of course, all-time leading scorer in school of history at FAU, 1,972 points. A big shouts to Greg Gantt. I have a trivia time three times over before you pick this game. Ready? Come on. How many times has FAU made the NCAA tournament? 47,000. Give me an honest guess. Four. One two thousand two. Yep. What year that. did FAU join Division One? You know it happened before two thousand two. I do know
1: that. I've always known that. I've known that my whole life. I'm going to say nineteen
0: ninety three. Ooh, look at you. You're hot. Ninety four. Not oh, bad. I'm going to count that. that as a win. Count that as a win. Last one. I got trivia time. This by Fran Dumphy about seven years ago. Mm. So here we go.
1: Love Fran Dumphy.
0: FAU, Florida Atlantic University, based in Boca Raton, Florida. Yep. Greater Miami. Yep. You know the nickname, right? The Owls. There are four Owls in men's division one sports. Florida Atlantic is one of them. Play Temple. Along at home. Hold on, play along at home. If you th- pause it if you want to take a noodle. Uh name the other three. Florida Atlantic's one of four owls. Who are the other three schools that are owls?
1: Well, Temple, obviously. Shouts to Fran Dumpy shouts to friend
0: dumpy why he asked me because he was at 10 yeah months. and then it's um
1: kentucky <laughs> they should change they don't deserve to be wildcats anymore
0: yeah they the kentucky owls i'm i would actually be in favor of that because there's too many damn wildcats there's just, there's like at least 12 too many wildcats
1: okay i'm cheating but i now know them don't cheat why are you cheating i wouldn't have got them because i would have i wouldn't have got them how did you get it that you really googled it that fast well, there's a website that I look at that has everything like Jacksonville, Dolphins, Radford, Highlander. So you just do a just search for owls and it pops right up.
0: Right. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? I, I can you inform there. the list. If, if you still want to think, pause the podcast. But to anyone that doesn't care, go ahead and reveal the other two. One of them is gettable. The other one's kind of sneaky. I would not have gotten
1: either one of these. Wow. I, I do know that, that the rice owls. I know yes. that. But I would not well, have guessed it. But I do I feel know like that. like that's gettable, yeah. And then the, the fourth is Kennesaw State.
0: Kennesaw State. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was stumped by Mr. Dunphy when uh, when he did this. I, I, got, I got three of the four. I did not get Kennesaw State. The line, Gary Parrish, FAU minus five at home against North Texas on Saturday. Who you got?
1: I'm laying points with Florida Atlantic. I have Florida Atlantic in the top 25 and one. I have no idea. And I say this as respectfully as I can say it because I love Pat Kelsey. I love what they're doing at Charleston. I, I'm – i i feel in the country i feel bad not ranking charleston
0: like i actually i feel bad every morning illinois and over the charleston cougars from a
1: resume's perspective it's not even close and uh, and you know what's also not close florida atlantic i don't understand how ap voters could be ranking charleston and not florida atlantic if you are looking for schools with that kind of profile uh mid-major schools with incredible records, Florida Atlantic's resume is better than Charleston's resume. It just is.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: I don't really understand where the whole... Like, I'm happy for Charleston, because I love how much it means to them. You can't stand this program. It's quite clear, actually. No, I'm trying to to say this as honestly as I can say it. I am happy for Charleston, because I see how much it means to Pat, and that program, and the city, the whole deal. I'm happy for them. I root for them. But... I don't understand it. I don't understand how they got into the top 25 of the AP poll with the resume that that they have right now. They don't have big wins. They don't have a big win. They don't have strong computer numbers. Like often to get ranked, you've got to have a resume that suggests it or computer numbers that suggest it. And they don't have either one except for maybe strength of record. They have a strong strength of record. But outside of that, they don't have strong computer numbers and they don't have a strong resume.
0: This is incredible by the way. I'm asking you to pick a North Texas Florida Atlantic game and you are burying the Cougars.
1: No, but I'm not. What I'm saying <laughs> what I'm saying is I don't under the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I have Florida Atlantic ranked and I don't have Charleston ranked and sometimes people will ask me about that and from my perspective, when you look at those two schools, it's not close who should be ranked and who shouldn't be.
0: I got both in my power ranking, so love to uh, both Charleston and FAU. That being said, you've got a game to pick. FAU minus five against North Texas. By the way, FAU beat North Texas on the road in December by four points as a reminder.
1: I love Charleston. I hope that's clear. I spend vacation time there, for crying out loud. I've covered a game there. I hope they win every game when they play for the, for the rest of Earth. hmm I hope, that, I hope Charleston never loses again. Okay. Actually, I don't, because if that happens, then the people are going to be hitting me about why, why didn't you rank them on January 13th? That's
0: right. Idiot. I'll get called an idiot. Nobody likes that, do they? I, I figure at some point you're going to pick this game.
1: I picked Florida Atlantic. First words out of my mouth.
0: Okay. I missed that entirely. You got FAU covering the five. I will go North Texas, Florida Atlantic escaped in overtime against FIU on Wednesday. Actually really got It's another streaming game. I caught that, uh, kind of, uh, pulled a Houdini there, Florida Atlantic in its past four games, a four point win at n- North Texas, a two point win at home or, over UAB, a four point win at home over Charlotte, and then a four point win in overtime. Um, I will take Texas to finish inside that number. Grant McAthlin a really good coach. So we will not, we are, we are diverging on that quick, quick heads up on everything else to be aware of Friday. Got a good one. Michigan state at Illinois, nine Eastern FS one, Illinois is playing six games in a 15 day stretch right now. The Illini are two and three in the big 10. That's the team that GP has ahead of Charleston in his rankings. As a reminder, Michigan state is four and one. It would help produce push for separation in the league. If Illinois can hold serve at home Friday night and beat Michigan state, um, also Friday, a pair of twelve and five teams vying for top spot in the A10. We got VCU at Dayton, nine Eastern, ESPN two. Kind of tasty. Neither team will have an at-large resume. You wouldn't think, barring literally running uh, all the way to the A10 postseason bracket without a loss. But that's a good one. And then the other one on Friday, Utah State at Nevada, eleven Eastern, FS1. Nevada thirty-fourth in the net. Utah State is almost like a metrics teacher's pet. It's twenty-fourth in the net, but looking for its first quad win. Uh, quad one win on Friday, Saturday, Kentucky at Tennessee, noon Eastern. Kentucky is. In uh, is, is a decent three-point shooting team, 37.9% from the field, but it averages only 19 or so per game. Um, Tennessee's three-point defense GP is 20.9%. That would be by far the best in the history of college basketball. I have to think there will be regression to the mean. But just for fun, over under Kentucky, 25% from three against Tennessee on Saturday. Over. Over under five point five made three pointers by Kentucky against Tennessee on Saturday. Over, and okay. they still and they'll still lose. All right, duly noted. I asked a question. I got to stick myself to it as well. I will say Kentucky goes over five point five made threes. I will say it goes under twenty five percent from three. Elsewhere on Saturday, Providence at Creighton is a two Eastern FS one tip. Providence off to its first six and zero start ever in Big East play. And they don't have a single starter back from last year's Sweet 16 team. Ed Cooley uh, is not on the drone tang uh, shelf right now, I guess for national coach of the year. But for a second straight year, he is uh, right now has to be in the top five for consideration. Creighton, it's desperation time. Nine and eight team, must win game. Duke at Clemson, five Eastern ACC network. This was second place, barely. It had the lead in the poll for the final four and one, literally until the final hour. Got twenty nine point four percent of the vote. Clemson is uh, 6-0 in ACC play. When's the last time it got to 7-0, GP? Uh,
1: 1993.
0: It never happened. Their previous best start ever was 5-0 in 96-97. Clemson trying to get to 7-0 for the first time ever. I'd actually be curious to know, Duke right now is is two games behind the loss column in ACC play. I'd set the over-under at like 3.5 times ever. Duke has played Clemson while being two games behind clemson in the acc standing so um that's pretty much what to know on uh on saturday arizona oregon new mexico San Diego state cbs sports network nine eastern keep an eye on that that was also in the poll there and then um yeah i guess that's pretty much it gp's got to get out of here uh there's a couple more on sunday but it's a quickie friday episode let's wrap up this puppy
1: it should be a fun weekend can't wait to talk about it on Sunday. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get podcasts at Apple. Uh, leave some comments. More of us than there are of them. It needs to be reflected. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that as well. And we will talk to you again Sunday. Till then, take care. CBS Sunday, after the equalizer.
0: You collect rewards, right?
1: This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So so. So so. So
0: so's So-so. okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions, and you never let panic take the wheel off. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool.
1: Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount.